welcome to another extra special, extra wonderful, fully curricular. All right, I was about to say, don't you fucking do it again. I will not have that again. Stringent, very important to the curriculum episode of Normandy FM. As always, I am one of your co-hosts, Eric Van Allen, alongside Kenneth Shepard, who is finally happy that I have not called an episode extracurricular, even though... I want it to feel extra. I want our episodes to feel extra, Ken. Why don't you want that for us? You don't need to label them as such as they already are. I want them to be extra. And we go the extra mile to make them extra because we bring extra people onto the episode. Like one John Warren, a fan bite. How are you doing today, John? I'm doing all right. I mean, I don't know. I, I feel special when I'm on like extra shows. So I don't know. I... It might be a semantic issue, but I think I support calling it extra in any sort of way. Extracurricular? Thank you. We we are now two for zero in support of extracurricular on here. I'm sorry, Kenneth. I'm sorry. It it implies that, like, every episode... Because he said that every episode was, like, clarified as well. (laughs) Like, that implies that, like, this is something extra that you don't have to consume to get the full experience. Yeah, it's non-canonical. You might as well yeah. call it non-canonical, which, like, feels bad. Yeah, Fucking fake-ass shit that nobody but, needs to listen to. See? No, You're but pushing people away. Non-canonical stuff is the best stuff. Like, I guarantee you, for most fictions out there, the non-canonical stuff is where it gets good. Canonical stuff sucks. Look at Star Wars. That's all I gotta say. Most canonical stuff in Star Wars is not good. That's my hot take to start. I mean, you're this not going to for me. There, I mean, so. just coming right in. You didn't. Th- <laughs> you didn't. Uh, you didn't just absolutely love Rise of Skywalker. I mean, just uh, from toe to tip, what a film that was. Just every you know, single morsel <laughs> that J.J. Abrams gave us. We can't do this on the show. I'm not going to hijack your show and talk about Rise of Skywalker. The best it, part of Rise of Skywalker funny. is the uh, um, the uh, the Worthy Kids cartoon about. Uh, Palpatine falling out and then saying that uh, um, death was invented by the Je- he doesn't even know what death means because it was invented by the Jedi and Yoda goes what <laughs> you should go watch it it's very good I um, will check that out um, yeah. no I, I mean I had a moment the other day where my brother reminded me that we went to go see Rise of Skywalker together and I had completely forgotten like I just yeah. blanked just out black, even out. seeing it like yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. I could not even remember the plot. I had to go like look up parts of it because I had just forgotten so much of it. And then you got your heart broken all over again. Yeah, it was a tra- trash movie. Anyway. Just like prom. Anyways. Yep. Uh, <laughs> uh, today, we're talking about Dragon Age Inquisition. And we're talking about the one, the only, one of the few returning characters, in, in our crew at least, uh, Varric. We're going to talk about Varric. And John... I want to know why you wanted to talk about Varric. I love Varric. Listen, it. Someone there was a tweet going around the other day that was like, "Have you ever read a book that you felt like just was it really captured your aura?" And I still don't really feel that way about any piece of media that I've found like a good self insert. Varric gets close, and I'll mm-hmm. tell you why. One is, you know, just kind of a roguish person who's got a good heart, but is sometimes a little bit like detached. But mostly it's the fact that he and I both look like a keg that are just kind of like, you know, just like around. And I just love that for him. And I love that for me being able to see that on screen as just like 
um, just a small keg man, um, kind of doing cool stuff in the world. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I I'm a sucker for Garrus's. I'm a sucker for Han Solo's, and and mm. and I think very kind of fits that fits that role pretty nicely in Inquisition. So that was that was my choice. Something I've kind of realized as we've been doing this show is that the sort of like universal Garrus role that I've always assumed that Varric was in, like I found just like in the times we do in the show, like having different guests on and just kind of like being more around Bioware discourse uh, in general, that's not as universal as I thought. Like we've we've had a fair amount of people on the show that don't like Varric. And yeah. that's why that was, if you told me that, you know, 2011, 2014, when I was playing both of these games initially, that would have been wild to me. But I have, maybe my opinion on him has gotten a little bit more, in, or a little less enthusiastic than it used to be, but I think I appreciate him in different ways, just having played through them now. But yeah, it's just, I guess they want to position him as a garrison, that just not does not seem to be uh, accepted as widely as I thought it was. That's interesting, yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, why do you think that is? I don't know. I think the easy shorthand is to call him a Garrus because yeah. he is this character that exists across Dragon Age 2 and Dragon Age Inquisition. But I think the the differentiation in Inquisition is that he isn't necessarily this like standby character in the way he is in 2. And to be fair, like even Garrus was never as stringent to the plot or like yeah. as as necessary to the plot of a game as as you know as Varric is in 2. But I think the the thing that makes Varric interesting ultimately is that he he's this character that definitely has his own goals but has that like heart of gold and and he is that um he channels a lot of that Garrus moment of like you know being a little bit of an outlaw but also a little bit of a pal he's somebody that is always on your side no matter what i feel like it's actually impossible to make Varric angry in this game mm -hmm. and even when you do like the rivalry route in dragon age 2 it's we talked about it during the series but like it's sort of a begrudging sort of thing and like yeah. yeah he's he's angry at you but he still respects the hell out of you and wants to write your story and all that and in inquisition i mean it's, feel like you'd have to go out of your way to to make Varric mad because I, I when i was looking over the the guide for this uh mission that we're going to talk about and even other choices that you make in the game pretty much everything leads to Varric approval in some ways and it's it yeah. feels like it's hard to get him to not like you yeah um he, he can't leave he won't leave you right like right that that was in the in the thing that's like it's he cassandra and like one other character they just they won't leave so mm -hmm. it, it is kind of like a yeah it's tough to piss them off and it's also just kind of tough to tough to square like oh well all these other characters can leave oh Solus is the other one um mm -hmm. that doesn't leave it's it yeah i mean it it, it heightens it it lowers the kind of like intensity of a character when you kind of know that so yeah i agree that's kind of a strange strange detail i think in the same way though that doesn't necessarily make him any less of an interesting character if anything like it frees yeah. him up a little bit more to be this character where you can explore aspects of their life without necessarily having to tie to well are you going to side with them or are you going to do a mean thing to them <laughs> like some <laughs> other characters in this game um because you know, 
as much as I like Bioware, uh, in some cases it's like, well, are you going to do something that might have some sort of beneficial reward? Or are you going to, like, you know, be mean to somebody and do something that's <laughs> really kind of a dick move? Um, and Varric doesn't really have that. Varric just kind of has shades of things that are happening. Like, you just kind of... What's interesting about his Inquisition mission, which uh, we'll, we'll talk about in, in a brief second, but, like... It feels like you're just kind of drifting into his story rather than him mm-hmm. like drifting mm-hmm. into your story, and that's mm-hmm. what I kind of like about it. Is it's like, oh, Varric has shit going on. <laughs> like he's yeah. he's busy when I'm not here. Um, yeah. And I mean, we should probably set up before we get there with like what Varric has been up to up to this point, which we get a little bit of exposition of when we first meet Hawk when Hawk joins uh, before here lies the abyss. And, uh, you know, Varric has been helping with reconstruction in Kirkwall, still was living in Kirkwall up until the events of Inquisition, uh, and has really just kind of stayed there. Like, he's just kind of a solidifying presence for that city, which makes a lot of sense for him. But uh, as we also learn, he's been studying Red Lyrium a little bit. Uh, he wants to understand what happened to Bartrand. And it's, uh, it's implied, especially... If, uh, like me you let him keep that red lyrium idol that he's been using it to kind of study it and having people study it so we can figure out what exactly happened to bartrand um ken was that any di- i remember you took the idol away from him was that any different for you did you have any like stuff about the red lyrium before we uh, got into this mission i mean he talked about how he and bartrand stumbled upon you know the the first of it and mm-hmm. but since like he doesn't he never had it like it doesn't kind of come up Recur- like it's not that recurring sort of plotline about how he's studying it and like how it's going to become this thing where he's trying to find out like you know what exactly it does um mm-hmm. so like in that way it's kind of like all you really know is that he has some tie to it like he doesn't really have anything really going on that he tells you about up until we get to this mission mm-hmm. and once we we get to this mission um <laughs> uh we I, I always chuckle when I get to this because the the intro to it is, I can I always think about for some reason like the idea of playing these games without having played previous ones. Mm. And I was thinking about it because I recently had a friend of the show reach out and ask. You know, they're like, "Hey, all these games, Dragon Age, are going up on the the EA stuff that's part of Xbox Game Pass and all that." So if I was going to play one of them, which one should I play? And like my first answer was Inquisition. It's the newest one. It's probably the one that has the mm. most things that this person would like. Uh, it's definitely like the most robust. Uh-huh. But then you get to moments like you walk up to Varric and he's hanging out and talking with someone. And then she drops that her name is Bianca. Mm. And <laughs> for maybe someone who started with Inquisition, you're just like, oh, hey, neat, like the crossbow. For everyone else, you're like, right. <gasps> <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, you know, that's like a big wow moment. For all the ways that Bio likes to portray the series, it's like these various standalone games. It's not, it's fake, it's bullshit. Don't get invested. Don't do it. Tell your friend to get away. <laughs> but come on, Ken. It's it's great. We get it's we get so much added by having knowledge of Varric going into this. Like the Bianca moment means so much more. Um, which I I will actually say, like this is one of the missions that makes a good argument for the way that Bioware structures their games. Is that you know, like Hawk is off 
doing their own thing right now but we get to be here right in this moment when bianca appears in varick's life again and it is maybe a little bit weird that we learn. i like to imagine that hawk already knows a lot of mm-hmm. the things that we learn um because yeah. it's like in you know to not to jump too far ahead but it seems like hawk is pretty familiar with varick like they're they're on pretty close terms at the point that we meet them in inquisition mm-hmm. uh so even if you weren't there uh during dragon age 2 that makes a little bit more sense uh but bianca is here and as we learn uh there's been some uh some hijinks going on in the deep roads let's say um she has spotted some humans leaving from a certain deep roads exit with uh red lyrium and the red lyrium is coming from an area that varic is very familiar with it's I love the name of this. It's from the site of Bartrand's Folly, which is the... It's a great name. Yeah. It's it's a good name. It's a yep. real good name. Um, which is the Taiga. Ta- Ta- the Taiga. It's the Taiga. Um, <laughs> where they found the Red Lyrium in Dragon Age 2 back at the end of Act 1. Um, how is it? Is it Taig? Thag? Taig? It's, it's Taig, I think, right? Taig? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That sounds that just sounds wrong. So I don't like that. <laughs> I'm going with Tyga. Rapper Tyga There's was no found a in the deep at roads. The <laughs> Heard the calling and went to go fight the dark spawn. Um Yeah. So at the the, the Tyga is obviously a problem because uh no matter which quest we've taken up at this point, you know, like we know that Red Lyrium's bad. Um it's a bad time for everyone involved. It's it's not good. So uh, Bianca's like, hey, let's head down there. Let's uh, go figure this out. We got to stop Corypheus from getting this stuff. Um, we head over to the. <laughs> she's God. like, she she's like, wink. I don't know. I like, I don't know what's going on, but I heard some scuttlebutt. Ah, oh, boy. Ah, oh, mm. beans. Let's go. Yeah. Oh, um, shucks. Oh, oh, weird. But there let's I go. Was, yeah. Minding my own business. Average <laughs> Tuesday. <laughs> um yeah there's definitely a hint that early on like bianca as as we into it is a very capable person uh is somebody who is involved in the goings-ons of of the world at large um and once we get to the entrance to the deep roads and start delving into the taig and god killing a lot of First, a, a lot, lot of the of Carta, and then yeah. a lot of Darkspawn. And mm-hmm. also, the Darkspawn kept respawning while I was in this area. I think I killed the same Herlock or whatever. Like, one specific one kept respawning every time I went through a door. And so, one dude just kept coming back to life and getting owned by my party <laughs> and then brought back to life. Um, but uh, it's, it's a lot of fighting without too much going on story-wise other than... Uh, there's like some stuff going on where you could open up different doors with gears and stuff like that you know there's all kinds of little neat stuff that's happening there to get lots of loot and all that but um but you do get a lot of banter with Varric and Bianca which is I surprised so Ken maybe this is a good time to bring this up in general um my banter does not happen very often in this game and I actually, it happens to the point that a, a week or two ago, I looked this up and apparently there is like an internal cooldown timer that happens on party banter that people have like gone into the code on PC to fix because like <laughs> banter literally never pops in the well, game. It's like, a, a, it's like a 10 minute 
cooldown or something like that, which is ridiculous. Like, that was an issue I remember when the game first launched. I, I remember my first playthrough, like, I went through basically the entire game without any real banter. But I figured they had patched that out because I haven't had that issue playing this time. I got I got one banter with Varric and Bianca, and it was something Ooh. very, very basic. It was like, oh, we got to keep moving. There's lots of dark spawn in the area or something like that. Hmm. It's like that I was d- it. So I definitely Ken. got banter. I mean, the and also the the playthrough I watched to remind myself of this got some decent banter. But yeah, I, I definitely remember getting banter. But that was also. Uh, five and a half years ago, something like that, that I played this. So, yeah. Well, Ken, if you would like to enlighten us as to the banter. Oh, God. Uh, basically, I mean, they're just talking about, like, how things are. Like, oh, you're like, well, you're with the Inquisition now. And, oh, how are things back at Kirkwall? How are, like, things, you know, in all your, you know, just how how you do and stuff. And the mm-hmm. thing that, I mean, I mean, as basic as it might seem just on, you know, a conceptual level, it at least is, like, I'm realizing now just how much of, like, a kind of a non-character... Like, a non-entity Varric could be in Dragon Age 2. And we talked about this before, like, because he is a character who has to serve a narrative purpose and has to be there. Like, his sort of relationships with everybody can be very static. So even if it's not, like, a relationship with us, like, watching Varric, like, be kind of in his element with somebody and, like, feeling a relationship kind of be blooming there, it felt nice just because, like... That's what I've been realizing about Varric as we've been doing the show. Is that, like, maybe sort of how much I liked him was kind of, like, because I was told I should initially. Mm. And that, not that I think that he's, not that I think he's a character that doesn't have any, like, redeeming qualities, but it's just, like, I'm realizing how much kind of, like, a brick he was before. And seeing, like, how he's allowed to flourish in Inquisition. Even if he, like, even if he can't leave, he is at least at a point where he is not destined for like to be in one place at the by the very end of this game and can like kind of just seem like he has like a little bit more forward momentum than he ever did before hmm. that's interesting yeah. that's yeah i mean hmm. i definitely know what you mean that they 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 definitely position him as a character that like you know this guy. He's your buddy. Mm-hmm. You like him. I, I know they definitely positioned him as that. Um, I do feel like he, by the end of Inquisition, he earned it for me. Right. Um, I don't know if he earned it in Dragon Age 2 as much for that's, me. But it, yeah, that's but how in, I'm kind of yeah. spinning on to. But he earned it for me in Inquisition because I think, like, a lot of his kind of... Um, he he is a character that I think has the most going on outside of the main plot. Like he he doesn't have oh if you're not looking at him he doesn't exist disease like a lot of the right. characters in, in I think Inquisition yep. kind of do. Um, and and you kind of hear whispers and he's like a, you know, an actually renowned storyteller in the world. So you start to you're kind of coming at it from a oh this this person's got stuff going on that's interesting and then. I don't know if there's something about the way he talks about a lot of these things in Inquisition, which we'll get to, I'm sure. But it's like I, a lot of those moments where the storyteller kind of lets his guard down and he kind of actually gives you the inside stuff that, like, mm-hmm. he, he's not going to give you in his big bombastic books or whatever. It's like I think that was – those are the moments that I think shone through for me. But um, I definitely know what you mean, that they, they position him like – this guy's got your back like you know yeah 
you know, you're going to want to like this guy. You're going to want to like him. And it's like, right. well, that do- that doesn't really work, but sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. On the, on the note of like letting the guard down a little bit, like that was, that was something I wanted to point out in terms of like with this mission, I felt like there's this clear moment when Bianca shows up where like all, all interactions with Varric prior are very much Varric of Dragon Age 2, where he's got this, Oh, Inquisitor, welcome. We're doing some (laughs) adventures together. And let me tell you about this time I flew a dragon and all that. But, like, Bianca shows up. He's like, oh, hey, yeah. um, Oh, hey, Bianca. This is is Bianca. Yeah. Probably take care of that Red Lyrium, I guess. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. 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 Like like the crossbow. Yeah. Yeah. That's fine. It's it's nothing. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Don't worry. Just really downplaying it, which I thought was, which I thought was actually really disarming. You know, (laughs) I was like, ah, all right. Like, okay. So now that, now that your past is like showing up right here on the doorstep, you're kind of like not doing the whole song and dance, which kind of felt refreshing to me. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, and that's that's kind of what I'm, well, that's kind of where like I'm like where I'm kind of getting at is like he can't have those moments in Dragon Age 2 when he has to be this character that doesn't really Mm. get a chance to grow beyond sitting in that interrogation room at the end of the game and yeah just like like you said he has a lot more going on and it's like kind of coming really clear to at this point that he is one of the like major like he pushes the lore forward in ways that a lot of characters don't because like he is involved in the red like the Red Lyrium kind of like outbreak that's happened in this world at this point. And maybe like maybe by the end of like Trespasser we kinda of get the sense that maybe he's gonna be able to step away, but I feel like Varric is a character, even if like Dragon Age Two didn't really sell it to us at the time, Inquisition really sells that he is a character who has had a long standing impact on the world. That even if he's not there for like the effects of him being there are going to be very prevalent. Yeah. Um and I mean, it feels weird to just talk a lot about Varric as a character in this, but like, we're already at the end of his mission because after you kill a lot of people, you just kind of go through the area, press a bunch of buttons and gears and stuff like that, and then you finally get to an area where, at first, you know, Bianca opens the first door of the area, which is where she reveals that, hey, she built doors down here, which has the implication of oh she's used this passageway herself many many times and yeah. <laughs> is maybe uh doing some things that nobody else knows about and like even Varric is kind of like hey yeah we're gonna address this later <laughs> um we got <laughs> stuff to do at the moment but we're putting a pin in this uh which then later gets double pinned when we go further into the caves and find the key that they were using to access the the primeval taiga <laughs> and, um and it turns out to be bianca's key uh she was the leak that got this stuff into the hands of corypheus people in the first place um whoops whoopsie daisy whoopsie doodle <laughs> yeah and okay look so i love that up to this point we've been developing bianca's this very savvy very cunning like every much Varric's equal in all things or, or if not you know superior like she's this master rogue she's a master smith she's makes all kinds of stuff oh no you know what there was one banter i got that i just remembered um where Varric asks her about her husband and also about like the inventions that she makes 
um which gets brought up again way later when you talk to him afterwards but there is like one banter that appears where he asks her he's like why aren't you selling those things you should be selling those things uh you'd basically be like a paragon you're better than bronca um which bronca as we all know is dead because we killed her in dragon age origins (laughs) um but once we confront bianca about this we're like hey what's going on here she's like well you know you were studying the red lyrian varic and i just wanted to help so this random gray warden named larius comes up (laughs) (laughs) no it's larius it'll always be larius it is not it (laughs) actually is canonically uh, us is larry and larry is us all right it will always be larius to me (laughs) um Or or Janaka if you are if you went the other way if you Janica. went that way it's it's just it, and it's also not Corypheus it's just Corey he just Corey, he, he told he Corey told us that he was like Corey listen Fies. I'm going by Corey now um, I don't know Corey kind of disarms me I'm like eight and a half feet tall so it's kind of one of those things that you know I just need to go by something a little more my my PR manager told me to make yeah, it more approachable Corypheus is PR agents like you got to go by Corey I think. Um, <laughs> You know, Larry's trying to do it. You know, Larius, uh, mm-hmm. he's just going by Larry now. So I think it's kind of working for him. So it's it clearly worked for him for getting the key from Bianca. From Bianca. He he's like, hey, I'm oh, Larry. You're studying uh, this stuff? Yeah. No, 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 no. I have the key. I've got a key. Here you go. Red Lyrium, <laughs> you don't say. <laughs> um, it Like, we make jokes, but it literally was that. <laughs> like, she was looking for someone to help her study Red Lyrium, and Lorias uh, walked up to her and was like, hey, I study Red Lyrium, and she's like, great, here's a key. <laughs> and then, like, a while later, all of a sudden, there's a bunch of humans carting Red Lyrium out of that place, and by the way, Corypheus is murdering things all over Thetis, and Bianca finally puts two and two together and gets four, and she's like, oh, I better put a stop to this. <laughs> I better go find some other friends to bring into this. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> the gang will... sells some Red Lyrium. <laughs> mm. I will at least give this twist a little credit though because it is an example of Dragon Age doing something it typically does not do very well which is foreshadowing and actually building towards the story yeah. so shout out to that like shout out to actually like bringing back that character that seemingly vanished at the end of Legacy well, and it was just it, it was just an Edgar suit for Corypheus that's all it was it was the Edgar suit I, I'm making another pop culture reference that Ken doesn't understand. I'm sorry. <laughs> if, you, if you've seen the movie Men in Black, there's a giant cockroach that infests a farmer named Edgar. And he, later on, they're like, it was this dude loves sugar water. You can't believe it's the funniest stuff I've ever seen in my life. He towns sugar water. Oh, good movie. See, this is what I'm talking about. I gotta have more guests on that understand obscure pop culture references. Oh, the Men in Black my is hardly dude. obscure. I just haven't. My, oh, I don't know about that. I think I, Men in Black I, is. I think maybe at this point it might be kind of obscure. Like I don't know if the teens are talking about Men in Black. At yeah, this point. the the youth of America are not watching Men in Black. I mean, do, does a teen know who Vincent D'Onofrio is? Like, I don't know about that. I think that's a that's a tough call, but um. But I know who he is, and he was. They very barely good know who uh, Tommy Lee Jones is. Like, oh god, they definitely don't know who Tommy Lee Jones is now. Which is the true decline of American youth, it's not <laughs> understanding our heritage and Tommy Lee Jones. 
Tommy Lee Jones awareness as the the marker of <laughs> Western culture being uh, in the toilet or not. <clears throat> oh, uh, so yeah, we we find out about this. This is apparently an option, by the way. I didn't know this, but it's an option in the keep, which I guess just signifies whether you've done Varric's uh, loyalty mission or not. But it's like a really ominous thing in the keep if you do like do his mission and find out who the red lyrian leak was it looks like you killed bianca which is kind of messed up i guess you probably would die in that scenario if you didn't do the quest Hmm. i mean kinda yeah or she ran away one of the two like that is one of the things i wonder that's a good point i didn't know that but that's like yeah i guess if you don't do it then what you know that I mean, that's kind of that, that cause and effect kind of tracks for me. I don't know. That's interesting. Yeah. Not that I think they're uh, ever going to recognize that because Dragon Age right. is a game that doesn't recognize anything. So no, they'll just be like, <laughs> "Look, Bianca. Uh, they wanted you to think Bianca was dead, just like the, <laughs> just like Leliana and the Urn of the Sacred Ashes. <laughs> she uh, and faked her own death. Fucking... Wait, no, Anders. Anders dies. Anders dies. No, he can die in Awakening, and then they're like, "Nah, nah, man." Oh wait, they do a they do a death fake out and awakening too. Mm-hmm. Oh man, it's origins, man. That's the problem. I mean, those are the ones that get wacky, right? All the ones that stretch back to origins. I guess so. I don't think any of the two ones get that wacky. We figured it out. That's the problem with That's origins. It. <laughs> <laughs> you can all be traced back to it. that game. Mm-hmm. I mean, look, they probably should have just killed all the Origins characters except for Morrigan off and, and then just be done with it. Carry forward the one character that means something to Dragon Age's canon. I mean, Alistair. I mean, potentially Alistair. Alistair can either be a king or dead or die in Inquisition. Like, there are so many dead different things that can happen to Alistair. He can be dead or die. <laughs> Yeah, like I'm saying he can be dead by the time you get to Inquisition, or he can die in Inquisition. Hmm. You got options when it comes to the death of Alistair, is what I'm saying. <laughs> um, anyways, once we get back to Skyhold, I feel like that's where most of the stuff about Varric and Inquisition really starts, because you finally just get some time to, like annoy him with questions about everything Mm. which is what i feel anyone who has played dragon age 2 at this point wants to do is be like wait you have to tell me everything about bianca now and that's where you get to start grilling him and he's like yeah so uh i guess you could call us partners even though she's often married to some prearranged marriage that her family set up and technically we're not supposed to be within 15 leagues of each other or the mining cast will kill us both and we've arranged all these secret meetups over the years and he has this my favorite part is where you ask him about the crossbow and you're like did you name it bianca because she made it for you and he still doesn't answer because he's like they're so like they are convinced that the circumstances that led to the creation of this crossbow were unique and it could never be replicated if i told you the story people could die because of it so i'm not telling you this one and i'm like like that's that's still nothing but it's more than we ever got in dragon age 2 about it but also i still just love the idea that somebody made what is basically like 
a repeating crossbow in Dragon Age and no one else has been able to figure out how to do it <laughs> in a world where there are like explosives and and all other kinds of like magic accoutrement and stuff like that and nobody's figured out how to make the arrows load faster in a crossbow um that is also, uniquely funny to me but but also like let the storyteller have like one secret they did yes lab. yes yeah. And maybe there's more secrets to the crossbow than just it shoots fast um, i mean it's more going I, on there i kind of love the idea of building up a mystery of like who like you build up a mystery of like oh this is one of a kind for so long with so many people that like they they don't even ask the question why can't mm-hmm. there be other repeating crossbows they just go <laughs> well this is the one i guess this is it you know um and I mean, you know, I guess the I guess what would be more damaging to Varric's reputation is if it got out that like, you know, he named Bianca a crossbow because it's the only way he could be close to her, you know. Ooh. And it's like, and it's like that kind of destroys his mystique, right? If he's just kind of like, I named the crossbow after this woman that like obviously means more to me than anything in the world, but I have to act like that's not true, like for the rest of my life. Um, I mean, that is kind of a devastating secret to hold, like way, way and way easier to brush that aside and start talking about big, talking a big game about the actual mechanics of a crossbow. Right. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I don't know. Like that's a, that's a, that's, that's a stretch, but like, no, I, when I totally buy it, I like, I like this. this, Yeah. Yeah. But I think that's kind of like when I rewatched a lot of these cutscenes, like uh, this weekend and today, I was like, yeah, that that's it. Like that's just how I feel about it. It's just it's not named Helga because that's the other name that Bianca's like <laughs> everyone in my everyone in my town is basically either a Bianca or a Helga and I lucked out. Um so yeah, I don't know. I I I I like that explanation. That's kind of the one I've I've taken with me. So And it's I I feel like it fits the theme of of Varric at the end here is like you've now stripped away all the facade he usually has on all the the cool air about him and now you just see that he's a dude that runs around and tells stories because he can't really be in the story he wants to be in and i feel like there's this there's also a moment where you're asking him about how long he's been together with bianca and he's like oh we've been doing this dance for like 15 years and he kind of pauses and he's like oh 15 years and you just get the sense that he's kind of realizing that that's what he's been doing with his life is, is Mm. he's just found Bianca, but he can never be with Bianca. So he's just running around telling these stories and doing all these things. And he's kind of questioning at this point, you know, is he going to be his own person again? And like, that's at the end of his loyalty quest, he asks you a question that's like that, where, he says, like, if it wasn't for Cassandra, I'd still be in Kirkwall pretending none of this on the outside was happening. And you can either, like, tell him, yeah, you would be, or you can reassure him, like, no, you wouldn't be. You'd be out here. Like, we wouldn't be anywhere without you. And I, I don't, it's like we talked earlier about Dragon Age 2, Varric not really getting development. This is the development that no. I feel like this character was needing for a long time to, yeah. to feel like more than just a narrative device. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, th- th- there's a lot of the stuff with Bianca that I love, but, like, I-, I think where it started to strip away for me just at the very beginning was uh, just how he talks about Hawk, like, away from mm-hmm. Hawk and, like, the experiences with Hawk. It's, like, I really bought into the way he talks about his experiences with Hawk, like, 
I would talk about a friend that I hadn't seen in 15 years, like a really good one. And I thought a lot of his dialogue was believable. And I thought the voice performance is actually very good at selling that kind of like uh, that longing of of an old friend with with better times to a person who, um, you know, that person feels close to but isn't quite there yet. You know, and I think like that felt personal to me and I liked the idea of um, and and this is goes back to your point about like, you know, maybe he's not really Garrus because Garrus in my in my view didn't have a lot of those moments where he was really reminiscing about like very, very good days. If I recall, it's been a mm-hmm. while, but it's like that there weren't like the halcyon days of of Garrus's past, I feel like. Mm-hmm. And, no. And I feel like Varric's reminiscing is really humanizing of that character in a way that I think was missing from a lot of the companions in Inquisition specifically. Yeah. Um, and I don't know that that spoke that if you get if you get me to believe a character, I will love that character. Mm-hmm. And there's mm-hmm. there's a lot to Varric that I believe, and there, there's a lot to Varric that like I've met in other people too. These these storytellers, these people that spin a yarn and you kind of know it's bullshit and you don't like feeling that way. But once they lower their guard to you, then you start to buy into everything. Mm-hmm. It's only then that they kind of show you that they're a real person to you that you're kind of like, yeah, Varric is really that dude, huh? Like that's, that's what felt like a cool, um, that was kind of the weird magic trick that this game did for me, which was made me go from, okay, this is kind of a one dimensional. Yeah. The big blustery storyteller guy to, Oh yeah, that really is that dude. And I feel that. And I think, um, I don't know. That's, that's to the game's credit and, and the writer's credit, honestly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think something that I've kind of like come to realize, especially like since we started doing this show is that I am gravitating more towards a lot of characters that have those more like human, He's a dwarf, so like that's not technically true, but like that very like grounded storyline that's not necessarily this larger than life, like codex vomiting character, which a lot of characters in Bioware games are. Just, like they have to have these characters that are sort of like these proxies to learn the lore. And a lot of the characters in Inquisition, they are like larger than life. And like they are moving like the like they are moving the world with their decisions. So like what I kind of feel like my wrapping thoughts are on Varric, by the end of Inquisition at least, um, is I like that, that there is that character that has become this like very prominent figure in the world that is still just like really like thinking about like his own shit and like not like you know, world weary in a way that is like the kind of character that just like wants to rest but is never getting that opportunity to. Um, right. Which is why I gravitate towards like Caden and Mass Effect because he has a very similar story by the end of Mass Effect 3. So I hope he gets to have that sort of reprieve in Dragon Age 4. I don't <laughs> know that the story that they're telling necessarily requires him, but Dragon Age doesn't know when characters are required for anything, and it just kind of makes it up as it goes along, so we'll see. Yeah. I mean, I, I would love I would love to Varric to have, at, at some point between Inquisition and 4, the kind of Geralt of Rivia retirement yeah. of being on a vineyard yeah. with, like, Bianca finally, somehow, and... Just kind of being away from it. It'd be nice to visit him, but I agree it would be nice for him to have a a respite and not be kind of like in the party again. Um, if they can help it, they can't. They can't help it, but if they could help it, that would be that would be interesting. 
I was literally just about to drop the same Blood and Wine <laughs> reference because yeah. that was all I could think of was Geralt at the end of Blood and Wine. It's great. Oh. Well, oh. If we want to kind of talk about I mean, this is kind of a trespass or spoiler for anyone who's playing along, well, I guess we can talk about the fact that he's yeah, the Viscount true. at Kirkwall right now. That's yeah. what he does. That's like... I guess his adventure in days are over, but like he's kind of maybe found like a more grounded way to that's true help instead of like being like oh I gotta save the world from a fucking dark spawn man. Yeah, I mean you know the, Varric the Viscount like that 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 is kind of his role by the end of that DLC, so that's true. Um, it could be a respite. It could also be an extremely easy way to pull him back in yeah. to the to the proceedings, though. We'll see. Right. I, like, I feel like of it, at least. Yeah, yeah. He could at least like I. I would be cool with him playing like a cameo role because sure, you know, those are fine. Every everybody loves it. Everybody yeah. loves that moment. Where they're like, oh hey, it's Beric. Oh man, we get to talk to him. We get to thumb through some dialogue options and talk about how things have been going and all that. You know, this isn't for the character I'm playing because they don't know shit. This is for me. <laughs> like, but um, those those are always really good. And I I think like for a lot of faults that Ken has brought up many times <laughs> about Dragon Age's continuity. Um, one of the things that Inquisition in particular does well is those moments where you can like just hang out in Skyhold and talk to someone about what's been going on with them in their life and all that since the last time like you as the omnipotent god character of the universe... <laughs> Uh, like you know the gap in time there um, and we're still not to the one that I really like but damn it we're going to get there eventually <laughs> um, but I mean we've had it with Hawk we have it here with Varric I mean even like other characters that are hanging around Skyhold like Leliana and Colin and characters like that you know they've, they've got history in the universe I feel like when they acknowledge that and they just give you kind of the brief thing of being like hey yeah you like this character right you know it's, it's like chakwas it's like dr chakwas in mass effect yeah. it's like mm. i want that moment of saying what's up dr chakwas how have things been you're great all right later and like that's it that's like the little bite size it's the i got, tiny I got that ice series. brandy you remember mm. that reference yeah. right yeah all right <laughs> Remember, Bye. dr chakwas likes yeah. to drink <laughs> let's do this um <laughs> Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I hope they do something like that with Varric. I think that makes a lot of sense for that character. Um, yep. One thing lore-wise that I forgot to bring up during the loyalty mission, I don't know why I'm calling it a loyalty mission. There's not really loyalty to win here. But, <laughs> um, Bianca notes something that I think has been hinted at in lore in the past, but uh, she mentions it in particular, uh, that Red Lyrium seems to be tainted by the Blight. Uh, and which is what gives right. it those red lyrian properties which as they note uh the blight can only taint animals or living things yeah. uh which then implies that lyrium is alive somehow it is a living thing uh this is an answer i think we get a little bit more concrete of an answer to in in trespasser um i looked this up afterwards because i was very curious and there's like one toss away line about why this is the way it is. I don't know if we want to mention it here and now or not. I um, mean, it probably won't be like a major part of conversation when we get to Trespasser. So might as well. Um, yeah. So in Trespasser, I believe it is, we learn that um, 
in the time of Elven An, uh, Methal struck down the Titans and ancient elves mined their bodies for Lyrium. Uh, so that backs up a theory that says like uh, Lyrium is the blood of the ancient Titans and stuff like that. Mm. Uh, we still don't have a majorly concrete answer to that and I feel like some of the teaser images and stuff that we've been seeing out of Dragon yeah. Age 4 hint that we're going to learn much more about Lyrium in right. that game. Uh, so I would expect more about that then. But uh, it is kind of an interesting little little pin they put there in this idea that like, hey, maybe that magic dust that uh, everyone goes crazy for is a bad thing. <laughs> <laughs> if we didn't know Just that by not... now. See, Templar's right. need to stop snorting yeah. the blood of the ancients. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's, you know, I would, I would love for Dragon Age 4 to just be very much like, you know, we got, we got powdered red, red lyrium. You can smoke this red lyrium. <laughs> we got so many different kinds of red lyrium, and the kids fucking love this stuff. It's so good. Um, you just gotta, like... You, you know, just people that are selling the stuff off of boats, and yeah, it'd be amazing if uh, the world is just completely transformed into this like red lyrium crazy. They got they got to like um, Riverdale it, where they come up with some really dumb name for like the drug <laughs> version. Yeah, we were just joking about the names <laughs> the, of drugs on. I think I said jangle. I think I said something that was accidentally the name of a drug on on Riverdale. I didn't mm -hmm. know um, on a podcast the, JJ. the other day. You got to get yeah. some JJ. Gotta get some JJ. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, no, this red stuff seems bad, y'all, and it seems like we're gonna get more, way more uh, red lyrium stuff in the next one. Which I mean makes sense. You know, you introduce a MacGuffin this huge, you probably want to do something with it. So, um, well, if we know anything yeah. from Dragon Age, we can count on it to actually follow through on anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, but hold, but hold on. To be to be fair, look, Dragon Age Origins already introduced the idea that like, hey, this lyrium seems yep. pretty unstable. Yeah, they and do. then by the end of two, we have Meredith, who has the red lyrium idol in her sword, somehow has made a keyblade out of the red lyrium and gets consumed and turned into a statue by it. And then by the end of three, we've got you know potentially Templars just downing the stuff, eating it like it's fruity pebbles and i don't know dragon age 4 it could get to that point where it's like oh now it's super commodified and everyone's eating lyrium all the time and <laughs> broken clock right twice a day look i i just really like one day i'll end an, i'll end an episode not mad i swear <laughs> <laughs> oh no come on kenneth that couldn't come be on, you Ken. this would be the show if you ended it if you ended an episode it's like this I is great it. Yeah, we yeah, said when we started this podcast, we would never go to a conclusion mad. All right. We're not doing that now. <laughs> the show and my happiness are mutually exclusive. Um, one, one note I did want to bring up and, and John, I don't know how much you have to say on this, but uh, last week we had the wonderful Mike Williams on. And while he was on, he talked about uh, Baldur's Gate three, which oh, yeah. uh, at the time he had played the pre-release stuff of it. Yeah. Uh, and we had to delay publishing the episode because of the embargo. Because the embargo, uh, good but, lord. Yeah. But uh, now, uh, a week later, uh, I have actually dug in and played some of that uh, because yeah. I was I was in a mood. I was in a hankering for something like 
Dragon Age, something like what these games do. Yeah. And uh, I gotta tell you, that is uh, that's hitting all the right notes for me. It's that is real it's good. It's coming. They they the the Larian folks they got that that big old IP and they're like, we're gonna make a Bioware game just like yeah. y'all remember it. I mean that's that's really what they're going for. Not with the moment to moment like gameplay stuff because mechanically it's it's very very different than mm-hmm. than modern kind of Bioware stuff. But like, um, yeah, like the interpersonal character stuff is really hitting a lot of that and. Um, yeah, I can I can definitely find myself attaching to the characters introduced here. So yeah, if y'all are fans of if y'all are at home fans of this kind of Bioware stuff, and you might be I don't know someone like me that is a little bit disappointed with the the recent direction of Bioware stuff. Um, yeah, this might scratch a few of those itches. I would say. I the thing that I thought was really entertaining was um, we both had tweets this this last week about it, but. When Larian put out the "this is the most oh common God. character that y'all have so created," yep. and this dude looked like Matt Damon walked into yeah. the fantasy world. Yeah, um, just just a, yeah, just a, the the most basic looking white dude. Yeah, yeah. Which, I, as many people I'm sure pointed out in your mentions, John, uh, they self insert <laughs> and things um, like that. So that in, is why in, they do any that. one of my 408 <laughs> replies, yeah, this is the most <laughs> innocuous tweet i've ever made in my life and it went like it's the only thing in my life i would say went viral um Mm -hmm. i don't understand it it's like the it's like the most useless tweet i've ever made in my life but i guess that's always the way um but yeah like you know it's self-insert if it's an average of the players that are playing this and it's a self-insert then that checks out i guess Mm -hmm. well i i brought it up because it does something that i think Dragon Age, like Baldur's Gate 3 does something I think Dragon Age Origins did very well (laughs) and that also speaks to how secretly good Baldur's Gate 3 is in a way that apparently not a lot of players are experiencing Uh, you know, I go online and everyone's like oh, Shadowheart, I love Shadowheart she's great, I'm like, that racist piece of shit, I hate Shadowheart (laughs) and and I was like I can't figure out what it was and I realized I'm playing Githyanki and Shadowheart is racist, racist as hell towards Kid Yonki. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, a uh, friend of the show, uh, my boss over at USG, Cat uh, Bailey, was telling me, oh, she's playing a drow character. And Shadowheart was, like, instantly all over that. And she was like, yeah, Shadowheart's great. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Shadowheart almost <laughs> murdered me the first time I met her. Like, I had to pass so many persuasion checks just to get her in my party and then every time i talk to her she's like one step away from spitting on me it's like (laughs) she is the like i hate her and and yet people have amazingly different interactions because of those little things that's something that origins messed around with too but i feel like going into four i hope that's something that dragon age can start to carry forward and do more with is like have these origins and these characters really speak in a way that makes that experience different for different people. Well, I mean, they've done that I a mean, lot in Inquisition. They, they yeah. have, to be fair. Yeah, they have. We, we've talked yeah. about the ways, especially the Elven stuff plays out. Um, I, I mean, but, it is funny. It is funny that Shadowheart is basically introduced as the Ashley Williams of this game. But oh, no yeah. One, like, oh, yeah. <laughs> no, one's, no one's picking up on that because they're probably not playing Githyanki. Githyanki right. I and, guess. and then so when she's like, mad at Lazale, they're just like, oh, well, you know, they're just bickering over there. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just some, just some childish horsing around. Nothing racist or anything. Don't worry about it. <laughs> um, well, yeah, no, I... I 
I'm aware that, that Dragon Age does that stuff. Um, I was just thinking about it in terms of like how 2 did the Hawk stuff. And while I felt that like Hawk was very interesting as a protagonist, that is one aspect of their sort of approach to we're going to make this just like protagonist that you can create and craft um, allows you to have this character that you can genuinely like have a place in the world and have people respond to who you are and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, which, I mean, if they can carry that forward the Inquisitor too, that'd be rad. Yeah. <laughs> what a concept! <laughs> Damn, I steered it back around to making Ken mad. Um, <laughs> Ken, you should play Baldur's Gate 3. I'd be very interested to hear your take. I, I just don't have well. a system that can play it right now. Like, I, my, we gotta my build you that PC. I would say my goal is to have a PC stage. by, like, February or so. But, like, there was there, a part of me... There's also this thing about Baldur's Gate three, real quick. I will say, like, it is in early access, oh, and yeah. I don't, and I, and it's buggy, and it's also a game like this in early access. I think is cool, and I get it. Um, I get it less for a game that hasn't been kickstarted, like like Original Sin one and two. They were both kickstarted, right? So it's like mm-hmm. it made sense that those would be early access. Yeah. There's something kind of odd about this being early access because. I just get the sense that I'm like, well, I better not bond with this build and this exact character mm, because yeah. mm. I think it might get blown to bits like at the end of this thing. So, mm, right. um, yeah, there's that part of it too. I that think like, Original Sin at least two did it did save wipes and stuff like that too. Yeah. So yeah. Um, so there's if, there's some precedent for that. Yeah. Huh. From what I understand, that area that you play is like the first act, and it's maybe yeah. about like let's say twenty to twenty five hours of content. Like there's not really another romance stuff is there from what right. I understood or anything. Yeah. So it is still early. It really is like here is this thing. If you want to play it, if you like it, if you want to fool around in this thing, check it out. Right. Otherwise, like I mean, they've been very upfront about that too, being like, hey, this is early. You get to check the game out early and buy it early. Uh, see you next year. <laughs> like, hmm. um. So there is that aspect, but I just wanted to follow up on it. And also like, yeah, the, somebody else is doing the thing. You know, the last time we had somebody try to do the Bioware thing, we got colonialism, the game. And uh, it's nice to have somebody else doing the thing and also doing it in a way that like Larian has some, they've got some chops, you know, they're really, it feels like they're flexing on, on Baldur's Gate 3. Like they're just taking everything they've learned from all the games they've made and also taking all this like Bioware production and character development and putting that in there too. And being like, yep, we're just going to make what could be one of the best RPGs ever. And we're just going to make it now. Hmm. What if I got Stadia? I, I'm not, (sighs) I mean, you know, we've talked about your download speeds. (laughs) They're, I mean, they apparently are about right. To to be the to, to be to to be the seventh person to try Stadia, I think is pretty bold. Um, <laughs> so you know, it's like I think that's still I don't know that's still pretty exciting to me to be the seventh person, the first yeah. non Google employee to use right. Stadia. Uh, I finally canceled my Google Stadia uh, subscription. I think what took you this so long? What took me so long was I guess this was I guess this weird feeling of like I'm gonna check back in on this every few months and see Mm. if it's better, and then by the time I realized that like I don't even want to play games like this anyway, I was like okay I guess I should just cancel this thing. So that's yeah, yeah. I've I've heard things from people who have good internet connections that it works. Uh, They've never they've rarely been like 
glowing praise which to be fair like that's a thing that is not going to elicit glowing praise because when it works it's it's working just like a video game console should work you know it's not like it's it's not like it's vr where you're like it works and you're like oh my god i'm in another world or anything it's no you're playing a video game you just don't need a console box anymore (laughs) i was doing it on locked like corpo ethernet and it it didn't matter so Mm -hmm. you know that's that i mean with an rpg you know especially something that's turn-based like that might be fine yeah trying to hit a jump shot in like nba 2k20 or like destiny or something it's like no 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 no, 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 (laughs) i wasn't there was a fighting game that was in that launch i think it was like mk was in that launch lineup and i was like (laughs) good luck good luck (laughs) have fun with that (laughs) eric you know what the you know what the solution is we need to get on a stream okay i direct you through the character creator okay we get a few screenshots of him and then i don't think about the game again until it's out well, I mean, we could just do a stream where I screen share it with you and I you can direct us through the character creator and we could just do a tandem playthrough of Baldur's Gate 3. Word. <laughs> this mm. might this might be an extra life idea if we <laughs> if either of us end up doing any sort of extra life thing, which we should probably talk about at some point. <laughs> I'm not going to say anything on the podcast cuz then I commit myself to it. That's a, that's a different story. Yeah, that's. I've decided yet whether I'm doing it this year or not, but we'll see. We'll see. Anyways, uh, John, before we let you go, any like last thoughts on Inquisition or, or Varigat? I guess Inquisition as a whole, because we haven't really talked to you much about like how this game sits for you in the greater Dragon Age canon. I really, I I really love Inquisition. Actually, I I I have very good memories of the game, and it um. Although it it clearly planted the seeds of some habits that I wish Bioware was not pursuing, um, I, I I still think it was a pretty strong, uh, pretty strong game overall. Um, and I think in the Dragon Age canon, it definitely I I like that it really set up a. Um, a very clear existential threat kind of as the, as the thing wraps up, like I like origins and two did some of that to an extent, but like, I, uh, I don't know how much like, you know, y'all have gotten into like spoiler territory overall, but it's like, if you're talking about the bald man, they know. Yeah. Just the, the, you know, the, the egg, I just, I want to crack the egg. You know what I mean? (laughs) I just want to boil and eat that egg. And um, that feels good. Like you get you set mm-hmm. something up really strong, and and I I want to see what's next. Even if my motivations are very primal, right? Like I'm very, mm-hmm. um, I'm very kind of eaten up with this idea of seeing what's next because you know there's something so despicable about about the egg, and um, uh, and I still love I in a way I still love I still love the egg. I've I that egg chewed so much scenery in that game. I want I want more of the egg, and and like I, I don't know. Inquisition did a lot for me. It set up some characters that I kind of want to see down the line. Um, I appreciate that they uh, gave the Inquisitor a lot of kind of good juicy voice stuff to do. Um, even though I did watch a video of someone else in their Inquisitor, of course, looked nothing like mine, and so it just created that dissonance that watching playthroughs of Shepard and Mass Effect always do to me. Um, 
I don't know. I, I, I have very fond memories of the game, mm. and I don't know if I'll revisit it anytime soon, but um, definitely, you know, thinking about Varric again and watching some of these playthroughs and stuff, I'm like, ah, you know, ah, you know, I might, uh, might get it out. So, we'll see. At the very I, least, like, I, uh, four, four or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that's that, that's that's fair. I mean, I played the entire trilogy of of Mass Effect before uh, Andromeda came out. You know, just mm-hmm. on the off chance that it would matter. Of course, it didn't. Um, <laughs> and <Not> um, <laughs> hey, hey, I mean, it did, but it didn't. I mean, the whatever. Sony was hanging out in your bedroom on some audio logs. Yep, 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 yep. I mean, it's like, listen, they they did the smartest thing that they could, and they said it in a completely different galaxy so it's fine like i get it but um yeah i don't know i'm i'm excited to see where it goes next i i hope they continue enough with those threads i hope they i hope they create a game that doesn't try to do too much um i still sometimes laugh about how big the hinterlands was just apropos of nothing sometimes i just think about the hinterlands um, about how hilarious that section of that game is, um, but yeah, no, I'm I'm a big fan. I, I I I remember it fondly. Well, that's good. You know, I'm I'm always happy because I feel like everybody has different uh, takes. I guess on Dragon Age, yeah, everybody has their favorites. Um, yeah. I'm glad we got some folks on who are happy about Inquisition because so yeah, far it's been like it. kind of weird mix. Some folks really like two. Obviously, you know, there's the two defense coalition out there and then some dragon age origins folks on here too can I tell people a, had to have bad taste if, i mean can i tell a very quick story about dragon age 2 absolutely. absolutely okay i was eating torchy's tacos uh uh hell yeah there in i Austin, love the story Texas. already um <laughs> uh the one on uh lamar that was kind of like or no it's on burnett and oh, um, yeah yeah and uh and I was eating there. It was about 8.30 p.m. And I was eating on the patio. Mm-hmm. And this was probably in 2010, I want to say. Mm-hmm. And um, I, uh, I was watching someone eat. And I was, I was looking at, I was, like, talking to my significant other at the time. And I was like, I think that's Greg Zeschuk, who was one of the founders <laughs> of Bioware. And... And, you know, he just looks like a guy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He's not like a... He doesn't look like a famous person, but I right. recognized him. It's not like an aura around him. No, 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 no. He's just like a guy. Um, and so I actually introduced him. I, I introduced myself to him. I was like, hey, I'm a big fan of your games, blah, blah, blah. And uh, he's obsessed with beer. Now, that's basically what he does now is, like, he does, like, beer blogging, or at least he did for a little while. Hell um, But uh, I... I asked him to just because I was a game dev at the time and I asked him just if he wanted to go out for drinks because I had a million questions for him about how to like make good video games, which I never got the hang of. Um, but like he was super gracious with this time or whatever. But I, I remember one of the first conversations we had, we had like three of these. I just remember asking him something kind of like offhandedly about like maybe disappointments and he was so mad about the reception of Dragon Age 2. Like he hated he hated how it was kind of rushed, but he was also like I don't think the decisions we made made it a bad game. And I just remember him being kind of indignant about like no, y'all don't get it. Y'all don't get it yet. Y'all don't get how good this game is yet. And 
I feel like 10 years later, I'm kind of looking at the reception of Dragon Age 2 and how people remember it. And it's not so much the reused environments and a lot of the, 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 the BS that like people don't remember it fondly for, but it is a lot of the kind of character building moments that people were really attached to and the narrative that kind of drew, drew, drove the game from the, drove the series from kind of the, the beginnings of Origins and the kind of the, the really open canon that we have now. Um, and uh, I don't know. I think he was right. I, I just I don't think he I don't think he thought it would be good at the time. But now that all this time has passed, I I like to think that he realized that um, that game got better as it as it aged, kind of aged like a fine wine for a lot mm-hmm. of people. I don't know. Absolutely. Like I was a person who didn't like Dragon Age two back when it came yeah, out. Sure. And replaying it. Like, even when I was playing Dragon Age Origins going into this, whatever you want to call it, season or whatever of uh, Normandy FM, I was, you know, kind of eager because I feel like in retrospect, I was re-examining a lot of the things about Dragon Age 2. Yeah. And by the time I got to it, like, that game has a different kind of life now. And obviously, like, there are so many different reasons why. Like, it's a much more character-focused thing. Uh, I feel like we appreciate the style of story it was trying to tell with like one city and a very focused story versus like the open world narratives uh that we might have wanted more from an rpg of the age and also like how a lot of its stories and themes feel especially relevant today in some ways like the the stuff with the mages and the templars and the canari and like all of it feels like it's a much tighter and driven story which i mean like we as we've talked about in the podcast like that's for better or worse in a lot of ways and mm-hmm. the as i've talked to other people you know they have <laughs> they have some indignation about the combat specifically like <laughs> sure. a lot of people just do not like how actiony that game yeah. got but yeah. i think for for all of that it's still i come away from that being like there isn't there's not really anything else even within Dragon Age that's like Dragon Age 2. I feel like Inquisition and Origins are closer to each other than they are to Dragon Age 2. And it's it's hard to find other stuff that's like that. Yeah. You, you really have to look around to find it. And yeah, I'd, I'd like to feel he was vindicated somewhat. There are certainly sure. defenders. Just like you know, Final Fantasy VIII has its defenders and stuff like that. So yeah. I, I'm one of them. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I was gonna like kind of wrap that up with. Uh, I feel like the reasons that people don't like Dragon Age Two are they're not the reasons that like they're not the actual problems of the game. Like sort of mm, right. what history remembers about being the problem. Like who gives a fuck about repeated environments? Like that's like that is the thing that you took away from that <laughs> sure. game. Like that is what we are gonna die. That's the hill we're gonna die on. Come on. And also like playing it again now, I didn't even notice that as much even near the end of the game like after 20 close to 30 hours into it i was like i'm not really noticing or like even caring much like yeah this cave looks like the cave i've been in before but i mean do not really do we have do we have todd howard to thank for that for releasing skyrim literally 38 different times like maybe that's Maybe he's just kind of numbed us from that. But yeah, no, like that stuff I think is kind of bogus to latch onto. But I remember, I remember that was a thing people latched mm-hmm. onto. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. So I don't know. I, it, that, that entire thing made me rethink a lot of how I engage with kind of reviews of things mm-hmm. now of kind of like, yeah. okay, like we're latching onto this thing. Is that really going to be a thing that we, we remember right. in 10 years? And most of the time yeah. it's, it's not. 
So, and I think that's been one of my biggest takeaways from doing this show is it's like the things that like were like supposedly game breaking for all of these games that we've been playing. <laughs> right. Like, <laughs> like that's what you care about. Like that's your problem. Like I don't know. <laughs> right. So, mm. Yeah. Anyway. Bioware just stirs up emotions for people in a way that you know they that's either true. deal with and channel into dozens of i feel like now that we have twitter as an outlet for some of this it's going to go better because at least now we have a place to channel all those bioware emotions that we have whereas like i don't know pre pre twitter you were just kind of spewing things about dragon age onto the game facts forums and that was never going to go well <laughs> so like <laughs> um on that note all our lovely listeners who have so many thoughts and feelings about bioware games in general they tune in every week to normandy fm we are a podcast that covers bioware games uh we've done mass effect already we're on dragon age now we'll be doing jade empire in the near future thanks to the wonderful donations from our patrons if you want to be a patron you can head over to patreon.com slash normandy fm and donate there the donors who donate our particular amount every week get their names shouted out and this week that is kevin kulikowski chris johns alice hawk colin just colin just reds just <laughs> zach mickle and the wedge of destiny uh thank you all so much for, for for contributing to the the podcast and ken are, are we ready to announce we've got it confirmed we've got yep, it locked in good. we've got someone go for it somebody somebody we, agreed to talk about cole we found someone to talk about cole <laughs> we were so afraid we we're gonna have to do this one just ourselves but the wonderful Keen Mar is going to be joining us uh, to talk about Cole. Uh, I'm very much looking forward to his insights. He'll be a first-time guest on this show, and it's going to be great. Look, not to like belittle the the wonderful contributions we will have from our guest, but good lord, I'm just happy we have other people here to talk about Cole. Uh, I mean, I, I, I don't none. know. I don't know who your guest <laughs> is, but it. I mean, unless they're a haberdasher, I don't know what there's to talk about Cole. Like. Just someone who loves hats, loves a good hat. You know, a, a solid gardening hat. That's what I think solid, of every time I see Cole. Solid, floppy like, gardening hat. That yeah. dude, that dude's doing some gardening later. That's that's what Cole's all about. Green uh, thumb. John, thank you so much for coming on the show today. It was wonderful thanks to have for, you. Thanks for having me. This was fun. I, I, you know what? Some, some would say Bioware games are fun to discuss. Who knew? Who, who, who among knew? us would have thought of that? Who among Certainly us? Certainly not Ken, who still has time left to be angry before we end this episode <laughs> of Normandy <laughs> FM. We have watched and waited.